Hallelujah. We praise you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Thankful for the presence of God that is here in this place this morning. And again, if you weren't here in the beginning, we welcome all of our guests and friends that are here. If you're a guest with us this morning, we welcome you in Jesus' name. We're so glad that you joined us for worship here at the sanctuary. To all of our fathers that are here, happy Father's Day to you. We honor you. Our world needs more God-fearing fathers. Praise God. Praise God. You can make your way back to your seats and just remain standing for a moment. So thankful for everyone that is here and especially thankful for all of the fathers. Didn't our children's ministry team, didn't our kids choir do a great job opening the service? They did a fantastic job leading us in worship. If you missed it, we've got a, a special gift for all of our fathers that will be provided to you as you exit. And uh, we've got more than enough, so there's no mad dash needed for the back door. But I'm encouraging everyone to pray and to seek God at the close of this service. Whether you're a father, a mother, or neither, uh, we're, we're believing that God is going to speak to our hearts and change our hearts today. But we do honor godly fathers. George Herbert said, one father is greater than a thousand schoolmasters or school teachers. One godly, God-fearing father has the power to do more positive good in the life of his child than a thousand teachers could ever do. I'm thankful for godly fathers. If you're here this morning and you have a godly father, you should be grateful. You should be thankful. You should rejoice in the godly father. If you have a godly, God-fearing father, you, you can't do enough to celebrate them because our society is, for years, has been diminishing and degrading the role of fathers. But our world needs fathers. Our world doesn't just need fathers. Anybody can be a dad, but it takes something a little extra to be a true godly father, a man of God. One of the greatest threats to our generation right now is the lack of fathers. The lack of fathers. Do you realize that only one-third of family units, less than one-third, just less than one-third of family units in America today will have their children reach 18 years old with both parents still in the home. With both biological parents still in the home. And there are people all across this auditorium today that understand that statistic because it's touched you, it's touched your home, it's touched your family, it's touched your, your children. But this is a massive problem in society today. It's an incredible problem that the church has to step up and lead the way in righting this wrong. Before we pray, I, I just want to share a couple of these stats with you. 85% of children in schools today in America with behavior disorders diagnosed are from fatherless homes. 
71% of high school dropouts, fatherless homes. 70% teenage pregnancies from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists that are incarcerated were from fatherless homes. 75% of teens that are being serviced and rehabbed in drug centers in America, 75% are from fatherless homes. This doesn't mean they don't just know their father. This means the father is absent from their life. 70% of juveniles in juvenile correctional facilities are from fatherless homes. 85% of men in prison are from homes where fathers were absent. The church has to right this wrong. Men, we've got to figure this out. And I thank God today that I'm looking at a bunch of God-fearing men. Maybe I can't change the whole world, but you know what I can do? I can change my family tree. I know what I can do. I can change things in my little corner of the world. I can change things for the people that I influence. And I thank God that there's men here that are doing that. And so we celebrate you men today. I'm going to read my text a little later in the message as I do periodically. But would you lift up your voice together with me and would you call upon the Lord and ask Him to talk to our hearts in the next few minutes of this service. Uh, every voice raised to heaven. In Jesus' name. God, we need your presence and we need your spirit today. God, by your power, I pray that you would do a work in this place that only you can do. Let your word work. Let your spirit work. Let your anointing break yokes of bondage. I bind every distraction and every disturbance. I bind every spirit of confusion. I bind every spirit of discontent or disunity in the name of Jesus. And I pray right now that your spirit would sound a clear call and that we would respond to that call in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Praise God. Everybody say amen. amen. And before you're seated, look at somebody and say, short men need tall trees. <clears throat> Turn to somebody else and say, short men need tall trees. And you can be seated in Jesus' name. He was certainly his own man. He hadn't exactly lived his life worrying about what other people would think of him or how other people would perceive him. In fact, you could probably even say he couldn't care less what other people thought about him. He was living his life. He was doing his thing. He primarily lived for himself in what little we can see in his story. Perhaps he had a family, perhaps he had people in his circle, but the life he lived, the career he chose, the path he walked, he primarily lived for himself with little regard for anybody who challenged his decisions or his way of thinking or his way of living. He was, to some degree, surrounded by a community of faith. There were believers in his proximity 
And one day he hears that there's this miracle worker coming to his city. There's this guy who's known for doing these crazy, outstanding, outlandish miracles for people. And at some point, something must have clicked in him. And no doubt he begins to think to himself, I wonder if this guy could really help me with the issues in my life. Because the reality is, no matter man or woman, no matter what kind of front you put on, we all have issues in our life that are beyond our control. No matter what kind of front you try to build up, every one of us have things in our life that we are not good enough to fix or smart enough to figure out. Every single one of us. And this man begins to think to himself, no doubt, I wonder if this guy could help me. I wonder if he could minister truly to me. I wonder if he could do something in my life. And as he begins to think this to himself, uh, perhaps then comes the day, then comes the moment, then comes the time. We pick up in our text that it was that particular day in Luke chapter 19 in verse number 1, and the miracle worker had come to town. Jesus shows up in verse number 1 of Luke 19, if you're following along, and Jesus entered and passes through Jericho, the Bible says. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, and he was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was. At this point in the text, he's not even altogether convinced of who Jesus is. It doesn't appear that he's altogether convinced of what Jesus can do for him. But he seeks to know him more. I thank God for people here today who are seeking to know him more. Maybe you don't have all your answers to all your questions, but I celebrate men and women here today who are seeking to know God just a little bit more than you have before. He seeks to know him, and he could not see Jesus because of the crowd, so he was of short stature. Look at your neighbor and say, he was a little dude. So he runs up ahead, verse 4, and he climbs up a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And Jesus came to the place and looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for I will come to your house today. Look at your neighbor again and say, short men need tall trees. We look at our text, and this man Zacchaeus, when he realizes that Jesus is coming to town, and he realizes that Jesus is in his town, the Bible says he made haste or he ran. He came to see who Jesus was. Now, a little bit about this man Zacchaeus. He was a leader. He was an influential man. He was a tax collector. He worked for the Roman government. He had a position and he had influence. And this man would have been uh, hated by all of the Jews. He would have been revered and feared by everyone because uh, they would have been afraid to make him mad. This was a man that had much power. They collected dozens and dozens 
imprisoned the taxes on the people. And the tax collector was someone who worked with the authority of the Roman government and the Roman army behind him. So if he decided to stop you in the street and say, give me some money, he could make up a tax for just about anything he wanted. He could say, you need to pay me a tax because you're wearing striped socks today. So that's a striped sock tax. He could say, you got to pay me a tax because you're wearing a yellow dress today. It's a yellow dress tax. And there was nothing you could do about it. Can you imagine? There was no vote. There was no democracy. There was no check or balance to his way of governing. There was no check to his rule. But if you refused him, they could throw you in prison. If you refused him, the Roman soldiers would be quickly behind him and could lock you in jail. The man had tremendous power. You have to understand, the man would have had a sense of pride, and he would have had probably an an overly healthy sense of self-value and worth. Probably would have been maybe a little bit of an arrogant man. He had the power of the Roman soldiers. He could collect as much money from anybody he wanted, whenever he wanted. But yet, when this man perceives that there is this miracle worker coming to town, the Bible says he runs to find this Jesus. Can I tell you, when you're really hungry for God, your pride doesn't matter anymore. When you really get hungry for God, your ego goes out the window. Decorum goes out the window. When you're really hungry for God, you will go to any length to find him. I thank God there are believers in this room that will go to great lengths to find Jesus Christ and his will and his way in your life. I pray to God, I would to God that before this service was over, not every, not just every man in this room, but every believer in this room would do whatever you've got to do to, co- to connect with Jesus Christ. I pray that every single believer in this room would lay aside every distraction and disturbance and anything that would deter you and say, I'm going to do whatever I've got to do to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. When you really want to touch Jesus, there's nobody that can stop you. When you really want to touch Jesus, your desire will conquer your pride. When you want to touch Jesus, your desire will conquer your shame. When you really want to touch Jesus, your desire will overcome your past. When you really want to touch Jesus, your desire will override your mistakes or the thoughts or the opinions of others. And he sought to see Jesus, and so he ran. I wish somebody would get an attitude like this little man Zacchaeus and say no matter what I've got to do I'm going to get to Jesus. The Bible says he ran and the problem became evident very quickly that the crowd that he was in was of a normal height but Zacchaeus was a short man. Anybody remember the song we used to sing in Sunday school? About Zacchaeus, but I remember Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. <laughs> yeah. There's another nursery rhyme that that rhymes with, but but uh, that not the Zacchaeus song. He he was a wee little man. A wee little man was he, and and, and what's it? He climbed up a sycamore tree or something. 
for the Lord he wanted to see. He climbed up a sycamore tree. Short men need tall trees. Zacchaeus was a, a wee little man, and the problem was he's trying to see Jesus. And the crowd is here. Zacchaeus is here. He can't see Jesus because he's blockaded by the crowd. He's trying to see Jesus, but all he can see is the shoulder blades of the man in front of him. All he can see is about the armpit height of the men and women that are surrounding him. But Zacchaeus does one simple little thing. In the middle of that moment, he looks up and he sees a sycamore tree. The Bible says he looks up, he sees this tree that is taller than he is. This tree that is larger than he is. First of all, let me tell somebody today that you may feel overwhelmed and surrounded by life or circumstances or situations, uh, but the first thing you ought to do is just lift up your head. The first thing you ought to do is just look up. The psalmist said, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills. Uh, from whence cometh my help? Uh, my help cometh from uh, the Lord. Uh, the Lord who made heaven and earth. Uh, he will not suffer my foot uh, to be moved. Uh, the Lord knows how to provide a way for you. The first thing you ought to do uh, is you ought to lift up your eyes today. Uh, you ought to get your eyes off of your problem. Uh, if all Zacchaeus would have done uh, was been to stare at the armpits of the people around him, uh, he never would have found an answer. Uh, but thank God for a man that was willing to look up. Uh, because if you'll get your eyes off the people around you, uh, God will show you something he has provided for you. He gets in the middle of that crowd and he looks up and he sees this sycamore tree there that is standing tall and one hand over the other. He begins to climb up this sycamore tree, up, 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 uh, trying to get to where he can see Jesus. Now, the interesting thing about sycamore trees, sycamore trees, uh, they're very large trees that grow literally for decades uh, and, and they're very sturdy and stable trees growing well over a hundred feet tall at maturity. This was a sycamore tree. This wasn't just your little Japanese maple in the front lawn. This wasn't just a, a little baby oak tree. This wasn't a little birch tree by the river. This was a sycamore tree, a massive tree. The, the trunk of the tree could, could be well over 10 feet in diameter through the middle of it. That, that's about three and a half feet longer than my wingspan. That's how wide the tree, this massive, big tree. The interesting thing about sycamore trees is sycamore trees didn't really grow in cities. They didn't plant them in cities. Jesus was in Jericho, but they didn't plant sycamore trees in cities. You know why? Because they were too big. They would get in the way of roads as they grew. They would obstruct views. They were too large. They were trees that were planted out in the field. They were trees uh, that were planted in massive parks and, 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 and away from buildings and away from traffic. Uh, uh, historians say there, there's probably not many sycamore trees that would have been planted along a roadside. It's not the kind of tree you want to put there. Its roots are going to tear up the road. Its roots are going to punch holes in, in the foundation of your basement. You imagine this giant, massive tree. 
a sycamore tree. But yet the sycamore tree was on the path that Jesus was taking and that Zacchaeus was running down. Could it be this sycamore tree that could have been well over uh, 70 or 80 or even 100 years old, this sycamore tree that could have been well over 100 feet tall, could it be that God had strategically placed that sycamore seed a century earlier so that it would grow in a certain place so that a certain man would have a certain opportunity to find a certain Savior that he could have an opportunity to see something that he would never be able to see in himself. Why would you think this, Pastor Levine? I'll tell you. Because the very next verse says in verse number 5, it says, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up. You know what that infers to me? That there was a predestined place. X marks the spot. There was a particular place that Jesus had pre-planned that he was going to look up to see if Zacchaeus had climbed the tree that he had provided. He comes to the place and he looks up. Uh, Can I preach to somebody for a couple of minutes here today? Uh, You may be at a place in your life uh, where you're wondering if you will get through, you'll get over, you'll get out, uh, you'll make it through this, uh, but I'm telling you, uh, God has placed some things uh, strategically in your path uh, that you maybe never even noticed before, Uh, but it's going to be those things uh, that are pre-orchestrated of God uh, that are going to sustain you uh, when you're in the valley of the shadow of death. Can I tell somebody today that God has pre-orchestrated some trees in your life to be planted along your roadside. Some things that will give you a view that you wouldn't have on your own. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. He was a short man. The reality is every single man in this room comes up short in certain areas of our life. Come on, get honest with yourself. Every man in this room, every woman in this room, every believer in this room, we come up short in multiple areas of our life. Now, you can be prideful. You can be arrogant figure like you got it all together. You don't need any answers. You don't need anybody to tell you nothing. You can have an attitude like that, but I promise you, you're going to miss miraculous moments uh, that God has for you. You know what happens uh, in the life of a great man? A great man is somebody like Zacchaeus uh, that recognizes, uh, I need a tall tree. Uh, If I'm going to see Jesus uh, do the work in my life that I need to do, uh, I've got to be willing to climb a little bit. Uh, I've got to be willing to get up on something. Uh, I've got to be willing to do something uh, that I cannot do for myself. Uh, I've got to Let the Lord work in my life. He comes to the place. Somebody shout the place. Everybody shout the place. I'm preaching to somebody that's at that place right now. I'm preaching to somebody that's at that place in this moment, in this service. You're at the place. Jesus walked by and he looked up when he got to the place. Everybody shout the place. He looked up and saw... Zacchaeus. 
What if Zacchaeus had been too proud to climb? What if Zacchaeus had been too prideful to get help? What if Zacchaeus was too much of a know-it-all to listen to anybody? What if Zacchaeus was too arrogant to allow any sense of real spiritual authority in his life? What if Zacchaeus would have had it all figured out? Jesus would have still came to the same place. And I believe Jesus would have still looked for Zacchaeus. But if there's no Zacchaeus in the tree, there's no miracle to be. If there's no Zacchaeus in the tree, there's no deliverance to be. If there's no Zacchaeus in the tree, there's no conversion to be. If there's no Zacchaeus in the tree, there's no testimony to me. I'm preaching to somebody today that you got to be willing to get over yourself and climb up on something that God has provided for you. Somebody here today, you got to get over yourself enough to say, God, I'm going to take advantage of every opportunity you've given me. I'm going to take advantage of this appointed place and this appointed time. Zacchaeus met the Lord at that God-given place. Somebody lift up your hands to the Lord right now. I feel the Holy Ghost here. Somebody needs to lift up your hands and your voice and just talk to the Lord for a minute. Come on, let your prayer ring out in this place. Let your prayer ring out in this place. In the name of Jesus. 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 I'm telling you, God's got some predetermined places in your life uh, that he's looking to do a miracle. God's got some predetermined places in your life uh, where he wants to prove you. God's got some predetermined places in your life uh, where he's going to work some things out of you uh, that are not pleasing to him if you'll let him. God's got some predetermined places in your life uh, where he's going to pour some things into you uh, if you will let him. Uh, But the lesson you've got to learn from Zacchaeus uh, is that short men need tall trees. Uh, Short women need tall trees. Uh, Short believers need tall trees. Uh, In other words, uh, those miracles are not going to happen in a vacuum. Uh, God isn't looking to do those things uh, based on your intellect, uh, based on your ability, uh, based on what you already think you know or have already figured out. But he's looking for somebody that will humble themselves like a Zacchaeus and say, I need something in my life. I need some intervention of a tree in my life. The tree looks different for different people. The tree represents different things for different men. For some, you're lacking the tree of accountability. And because you lack the tree of accountability... You're going to suffer unending sufferings until you figure out how to climb that tree and let Jesus do a miracle for you. There's some businessmen that they're great idea men. 
They're great with ideas and casting vision, but they lack administrative ability. And as long as they try to lead a business pridefully saying, I don't need an administrator, I don't need, their business is going to be limited and maybe not even successful. But any successful businessman in this church will tell you that the success of the business is not because I do everything myself. The success of the business is that I realize where I come up short and I put a tall tree in that place. I realize where I lack and I allow a tall tree to grow in that place. There are some folks uh, that anger is their problem. There's other folks, as I already said, pride is their problem. There's, a, there's other folks, maybe they've never known what true submission was in their life and the power of God that it brings in their life. Uh, and, and maybe they use the excuse, well, I'm submitted to God. Well, you'd have a hard time arguing that with strict scripture because God allows you to submit and he allows me to submit us to one another. He allows us to submit to, to fingers and toes and flesh. And maybe those are the trees that you need to climb. Maybe somebody just practically in your life. Maybe you're a real great person, but you're terrible with money. Is it too practical? I know we were real spiritual a minute ago. And the tree you need to climb is you need to figure out a budget. You need to let somebody help you with your finances. You need to let somebody tell you to cut up the credit cards. In fact, I'd go so far as to tell you that anybody who is anything great in life, anybody who does anything great in life, recognizes uh, there are areas I come up short. Uh, and in those areas, uh, I need tall trees. Uh, I need somebody to step in. Uh, I need something to intervene. Is that all right? Maybe some folks are just too moody. They get their feelings hurt at the drop of a hat. You breathe in their direction and they get offended. You know what? You're going to suffer the rest of your life relationally until you allow somebody to look you in the eye and put a tall tree in your life of confrontation and say, you need to figure some stuff out. Mm. God's working here right now. I ask permission to share this story. I won't share names. But a father in this church shared this story with me recently. And he gave me permission to share it today. There was a father in this church that perhaps was struggling in a certain area of fatherhood. And it just so happened that a couple other men in this church who were fathers a bit further down the road a bit further down the path, whatever that looks like. He gave these two fathers the window of opportunity to speak into his life and to speak into his fatherhood. Now, pause just a minute and think of the vulnerability of that. Think of the vulnerability of that. You gonna tell me how to be a dad? Boy. We get an attitude real quick. Start telling me how to do stuff. Tell me how to tell me how to have a marriage. Tell me how to be a short men need tall trees. 
And the reality is every single one of us come up short in areas of our life. You know why God put the body, the strength of the body of Christ together? Is because you might be good at being an ankle, but you're not good at being a hand. So you know what? you got to be connected to the hand. And you may be good if you're a neck, uh, being a neck, but if you don't have a head attached, uh, that neck is worthless. Uh, the strength of the body of Christ uh, is that Brother Barajas might be a tree uh, where I am short, uh, and Brother Wall might be a tree to me uh, where I am weak, uh, and Brother Anthony uh, might be a tree to me uh, in an area that I need some counsel and some wisdom and some advice. So this father, he opened up and allowed them to speak into his life. And I'm not going to share all the details, and I don't have all the details, but because he opened himself up to sound godly influence uh, because he humbled himself enough uh, to hear some things uh, that maybe he could do a little bit better. Uh, he said, I started putting those things into practice uh, almost immediately. Uh, and he started telling me and describing to me how he put that advice into practice. Uh, and he told me recently, he said, I saw, it was almost instant the results that he saw, that he described, that he saw in the particular child that it affected. Uh, he saw some instant results uh, what if that father had closed his ears? Uh, what if he had said, I don't need you to tell me what to do. My kid's not your kid. They're different personalities, uh, different families, uh, different last names. Uh, don't tell me how to do my thing. But I celebrate a father uh, that understood enough to recognize uh, there's some areas in my life uh, that I need some tall trees. Uh, there's some areas in my life uh, that I need some people to talk to me. Uh, I need some people to be real to me. Uh, I need some people to confront me. There's some areas in my life that I need some tall trees. And the Bible says he made haste and he climbed that tall tree. He climbed to the top of that tall tree so he could see something he wouldn't have otherwise seen. And the Bible says Jesus came to the place and he looked up and he saw him and he called him by name. He said, Zacchaeus, can you imagine what must have overwhelmed his heart when Zacchaeus was called by name by a man he had never met? Surely this is the appointed time and the appointed place. And surely this is the miracle worker Jesus says to Zacchaeus, get down, come with haste. Jesus doesn't call you to come casually. If someone you fear and someone you revere calls you, you don't just kind of. If the President of the United States, no matter how you feel about current or any past president, if he was in the room and called you by name and said, hey, I'd like to shake your hand. I don't care who's president. Joe Biden, Donald Trump, Mickey Mouse. If he's the leader of the free world, you're probably going to say, yes, sir. And you would be right to do so in respecting the office of the man, whoever it is. Yeah. When someone you revere calls you, you don't waste time. You don't wonder. You know, I wish we could respond to God like that. That we could make haste. That we could run. That we could say, Lord, I'm running into your presence. I, I'm not going to have to be begged to lift my hands and worship or come to an altar and pray. I'm going to make haste to respond to his voice. 
But look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. The Bible says when he responded to Jesus' call in verse number 7, they saw it. Everybody say they. And they all complained. God bless the complainers. God bless the complainers. Look at your neighbor and say, bless you. Bless you. God bless the complainers. I know not everybody's complaining. Hey, God bless the complainers. Can I tell you, even the book of Acts church had complainers. I love for the sanctuary to save the entire quad cities and there be no complainers and everybody on board and everybody excited and everybody celebrating. But the reality is even Jesus had complainers. And last time I checked, he's a whole lot better than you and I are. Even Jesus had complainers and critics. First of all, don't give your ear to the complainers. Just ignore the complainers. Don't let the complainers get in your head. Don't let those that are chirping about this or that. There's always going to be complainers about the church. They have a problem. If you keep giving them ear, you have a problem. So the best thing you can do is say, you know what? I'm too busy climbing a tree to get to Jesus. I'm too busy responding to the call of God. I don't have time to hear any complaints. They complained, they criticized because Jesus was reaching a tax collector. Who are you to get mad about who Jesus saves? Who am I to get upset about who Jesus forgives? Who am I to get angry about who he delivers? I'm preaching to somebody today, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you can be saved, you can be redeemed, you can be delivered, you can be set free, you can be forgiven. Can I tell you this church uh, is not just an excuse uh, for you to get together dressed up and hang out with your friends uh, on Sunday. This is a place of deliverance. Uh, This is a place where you can be changed. Uh, This is a place where you can be set free. And the sanctuary is going to celebrate your deliverance. Uh, We're not going to complain because of who God saves. Uh, We're not going to whine about who God calls. Uh, But we're going to stand and celebrate uh, and say, yes, uh, yes, uh, yes, uh, Zacchaeus, get to Jesus. Oh, somebody give him praise right now. 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 In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I speak deliverance. I speak healing. I speak restoration and salvation. I speak forgiveness. And I speak that relationships be mended. I speak that confused minds be set in order. Jesus. 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 Come closing. The Bible says that Zacchaeus was a tax collector and he was rich. He was rich. In other words, he had a lot of resources, a lot of money, a lot of wealth, which whether you think you're rich or not, the poorest person in this room is wealthy by the world standards. But the point of that is it stands in stark contrast to the rich man a chapter earlier in Luke 18 
There was a rich young ruler who was confronted by truth. And he loved his stuff and his money too much to change. And so he went away in sorrow. But this rich man said, there's nothing in my life that I love more than the life change I need. If you live your life, whether rich or poor, if you live your life self-absorbed, if you live your life serving your own whims and wishes, you may fit in with the framework of this world's philosophy. If it feels good, do it. If I like it, it can't be wrong. If it makes me happy, leave me alone. But the pinnacle of spirituality, the height of what is pleasing to God, isn't always going to be what makes you happy. Isn't always going to be instant gratification. Isn't always going to feel good. But Zacchaeus comes to Jesus. And when he hears the word of the Lord, there was a conversion experience that changed his mind. God has the power to change your heart. God has the power to change your mind. God has the power to change your desires. He has the power to change your priorities. This man Zacchaeus, he listens to Jesus and it changes his principles he says, he goes from being a robber, a tax collector, to saying, I will give everything back that I've taken. I will right every wrong. And he says, if I have taken unjustly, then I will give back fourfold. I will repay fourfold. A repentant heart is not just a heart that lifts hands on Sunday. I thank God for that because that leads us to repentance. But a repentant heart is a heart that says, I'm going to go home and I'm going to change some things. I'm going to go home and I'm going to pay restitution. I'm going to go home and I'm going to undo some decisions I've made. I'm going to go home and I'm going to believe it's not too late. Zacchaeus' response is he went from being a miserable miser to a generous giver. Zacchaeus' response is he went from being a hoarder and a taker to being a giver and saying I'll pay back even more I want to be a life giver in the same way that I was given life somebody stand to your feet with me this morning Jesus sits at Zacchaeus' house because the reality is we all come up a little short everybody in this room has areas in your life that you lack Everybody in this room has areas in your life that you're not good enough. And the enemy of your soul would love nothing more than for you to possess a I don't care what they think of me attitude. The enemy of your soul would love nothing more than for you to possess a well, my heart is before God and it doesn't matter what anybody the enemy of your soul would love to isolate you from godly influence to strength with a stranglehold on the godly influence in your life 
But I'm telling you at the same time, the power of God has allowed some sycamore seeds to fall into the pathway of your life and some trees to begin to grow so that right here on June 19, 2022, you can make a decision not to stay short in that area any longer, but you can make a decision that I'm going to climb up a tall tree that God provided for me. I'm not going to stay limited any longer. I'm not going to stay confused and broken any longer as every head's bowed every eyes closed the reality is that Jesus sat at Zacchaeus's house and he said Zacchaeus I did not come to this world so that you would climb a sycamore tree for me but I came to this world so that I could go to a tree for you I came to this world because I had Calvary on my mind and Calvary would be the tree that I'll climb. And when I climb that tree, everything changes. When I climb that tree, darkness can become light and brokenness can become whole. And that which is confused can be restored. I'm telling somebody here today, Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary. So for the areas you come up short in your life, you don't have to live them with them any longer. Jesus Christ went to the cross of Calvary so that he could put a tree in an area of your need. Would you lift up your voice to the Lord all across this room right now? Somebody lift up your voice right where you're at. I'm preaching this morning about symbolically the tallest tree in human history, the tree of Calvary the tree of the cross. Somebody needs to step out of where you're at and climb that tree today. Somebody needs to sacrifice self-will and self-ambition and pride and arrogance. Somebody needs to sacrifice your own decisions and your own ideas. Somebody needs to sacrifice the things you've and the decisions you've made and say I'm going to climb a tree that is bigger than me I'm going to climb up the saving tree of Calvary I'm going to let Jesus do something deep in my life come on this altar's open and I'm inviting everybody in this room whether you're a guest here or a friend or a member I'm inviting you to step out of where you're at and come to this front for a time of prayer lift up your hands to the Lord bow a knee to the Lord and somebody just begin to cry out to him in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus God with my prayer I'm looking for a tall tree with my prayer I'm looking for you to speak into my life